Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Thank you, Mike Ross. What a fine introduction that is. Welcome, everybody, to Leaf Sky, Episode 23, Season 3. Jim Taddy with you for the next 25 minutes or so. Our guest today is Josh Cloak from The Athletic, a reporter who covers the Leafs on a regular basis and has done some broadcasting with me on TSN 1050, filling in for Frank Corrado. So before we get there, you should consider this. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That is correct. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down at all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads and money lines, over-unders and props, your betting options feel endless. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All right, on to the hockey story. So there's eight games left. We're going to deal a lot with the game Wednesday night against the Florida Panthers. The Panthers prevailed, fighting for their lives with a 3-2 overtime win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Paul Maurice absolutely blew a gasket on the bench when Florida wasn't doing so well and let his players know exactly how he felt. And it seemed to slowly but surely work for the Florida Panthers. But we're concerned about what's left for the Leafs, and everybody keeps looking for that uh, template, that game where everything works out, where you go, now that's how the Leafs are going to look when the playoffs start. And quite frankly, and I'll bring this up with Josh Cloak very shortly, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is they're going to play out the string. They're going to eventually nail down second. That's a math equation. And then they're going to open against Tampa at home, and they're going to have to counter. And hopefully they have the depth this year to be able to do that. I think that 
that you would agree with me. The blue line is deeper than it's ever been. The different looks up front present an interesting variety or an assortment of choices for Coach Sheldon Keefe that he didn't have before. So we're, we are very interested to see how all this plays out, and it really doesn't matter what happens over the next eight games. It matters what happens when the playoffs start when the Leafs host the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's check out the conversation now. Here is Josh Cloak from The Athletic. <laughs> Josh, uh, just quite frankly, what do you make of the last cluster of games by the Leafs? I mean, uh, unfortunately, if you're Sheldon Keith, they're still just finding their way, right? This is they still haven't found a lineup that I think really clicks, um, and you know, some of that is is some of that is kind of stipulated on on the injuries and and you know, some players not being available, Eric Gustafson away for personal reasons, um, but it just looks like a team it still hasn't found their rhythm after the trade deadline. And it still looks like, I guess what I'm trying to say is the questions around whether or not this team, you know, did too much at the trade deadline, you know, messed with their roster, the chemistry in the roster too much. Those questions are still lingering because, you know, you watch, for example, last night against the Panthers, you could say they got goal lead, but this is a, a game that, you know, the Leafs dominated, but didn't, close out right we're still waiting for that you know string of really really dominant performances from the Leafs the kind of which we saw a lot earlier in the season um you know but since the additions of Jake McCabe Sam Lafferty um Noel Achari and and obviously Ryan O'Reilly we just haven't seen them click that way yet um which I think is probably a, a bit of cause for concern you know around the Leafs their front office right now yeah, you know, looking at the schedule, I mean, there's eight games left. They got a six-point bulge on, on Tampa, and Tampa has seven games left. But when you look at the schedule, you wonder if, in fact, that could even happen, what you're talking about, that that consistent uh, sort of look or, or the, the roster being finalized, because uh, a number of these games towards the end will mean absolutely nothing. I mean, I, I don't know that, that that's even a possibility it could happen. I mean, we're kind of at that point now where the games mean nothing. Like, like you know, first place, or sorry, second place, in the division is, is essentially locked up. Tampa is really sputtering and you look ahead to their final road trip of the season, um, where they go to Tampa, where they go to Florida and where they go to New York. Um, you know, given Sheldon Keefe's kind of newfound interest in resting players, we saw him rest, you know, Morgan Riley, which was a little bit strange. He's trying to give Mark Giordano some time off. Conceivably the Leafs could be without a number of their key playoff performers in that final stretch. And again, that only hampers their kind of desire to find a perfect lineup. I'm sure in his head, on his whiteboard, Sheldon Keefe has his ideal playoff lineup and will probably see it fall into place for what, one game, two game when Ryan O'Reilly returns. Right. right? Yeah. I, I think I think that's why the, the return of Ryan O'Reilly is so important for this team because I would bet that that look that we see I doubt it happens this weekend. You know, we're, we're probably looking at, um, you know, potentially that game in Boston, I think, which is a really good test next week. That's probably where we'll see the ideal Leafs lineup and then we'll be able to go over it more and more. But so much of, you know, what this Leafs team hopes to do is predicated on O'Reilly, whether or not he slots in second line or third line. Um, and then we'll have a better idea, I think, of, of, of what this Leafs team is going to look like against Tampa. 
you know, the, the O'Reilly injury, because it's uh, well documented. I mean, to put him in against a game against Boston, I'm not disputing what you're saying there, but, but I could certainly see a Bruin testing the, uh, I guess, you know, is he healed? You give him a slash. I mean, that that's just hockey, right? It's playoff hockey. And that, and that I think that's why the Bruins have become, you know, the, the team that they are, the successful team that they are, um, is because their, their style of play looks to be very transferable to the playoffs, you know, right away. Um, yeah, I, I think it's possible that Ryan O'Reilly does get a little bit protected, maybe some, you know, sheltered minutes here and there, but, Look, this is, you acquired the player to make a difference in the playoffs, right? Kyle Dubas has never run from that fact. The player was acquired for his defensive acumen, for his experience to make a difference in the playoffs. So he's Ryan O'Reilly is going to know what's coming, right? Oh, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know how much you can 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 hide him um, from what's coming. So he's a big boy; he'll be able to take care of it. But. Yeah, and I suppose as well, this is why you acquire the likes of Noel Achari and, and Luke Shen, players that, you know, bring the fight, I guess, um, because, the, the, you know, the, those kind of things, what you're alluding to, that happens in the playoffs. Um, and and I think that's why Kyle Dubas went to the lengths that he did, not just to acquire, you know, one piece, you know, that, that kind of secondary scoring that Ryan O'Reilly can bring. He added all these physical tools right jake mccabe we can throw in there as well um so that when things do get nasty you know their star players feel like they're start they can be star players and not have to worry about you know everything else after the whistle right yeah um do you see them going 11 and 7 in the playoffs at any point oh i hope not i think <laughs> and, and 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 i don't say that with anything you know genuinely invested in the in the team success but i i say that um, just because I don't think 11 and seven works. Um, it's really difficult what I've learned both in watching this team and talking to some of the players. Um, you know, no one's ever going to publicly criticize Sheldon Keith at all. Um, but by that, I mean the players, but for a player, it can be very difficult outside of the top six um, to form synergy synergy with a, you know, a line mate, um, a defense partner, if you don't always know exactly who you're going to be on the ice with from shift to shift. And we've talked about this before, Tapman, like it, it, it's that continuity, that trust in your partner and your line mate, that has to be essential in the playoffs. Um, so I think if you look at when, when Sheldon Keefe first started going with 11 and seven, you know, ostensibly to, to get a look at all these new defensemen he had to figure out, you know, his pecking order, um, you could say you could you could see that their performances were just discombobulated. I'm surprised he's still going with that eleven and seven. I do think eleven and seven will dissipate once Ryan O'Reilly does return. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're Sheldon Keefe, the eleven and seven thing still raises a question. Like, does he know who his top six defensemen are right now? Like, do do you? I was gonna. That was my next question. I, based on. What we saw Thursday night, or sorry, Wednesday night against Florida, um, can I talk you into McKay, Brody, Riley, Shen, and Geo Hall? You could talk me into that for sure. The only thing now, th there's something I like and, and have questions about there. I think McKay, Brody has to be the pair. To me, right. I, 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 go, I go all in on that pair because it's a playoff-ready pair. It's a pair that can eat huge minutes, it's a pair that you 
would have no real issue if you're Sheldon Keith throwing out against Tampa's top line. But does that get the best or the most out of Morgan Riley, a player that, you know, hasn't had the best season and he is far better or far more reliable, we should say, on the ice when he's playing with TJ Brody. I mean, who isn't, right? But if you're playing with Luke Shen, that means that, you know, Riley and, and Shen's minutes aren't going to be equal by any means. You know, Riley's going to get the power play time. He's probably going to get an extra shift here and there. Um, it certainly feels, though, that Luke Shen has replaced Timothy Lilgren in the pecking order, doesn't it? Right? Yeah, like Timothy, he, Lilgren could do no wrong by the fan base through the first half of the season because it's like, look, here's a player that they drafted, they developed, he took his time, but he finally broke through and the Leafs have, you know, a right shot defenseman that they drafted and developed. This is what every team wants. But I think the 11 and seven and the constant changing has really messed with, with Timothy Lilligren's confidence. And that's not what you want heading into the playoffs. No, and, you know, quite frankly, for me, um, he would be number eight. Uh, Gustafson would be ahead of him in my books. Um, I want to go back to the, the Riley-Shen pairing. Because yep. I think there's, a, like, multi, multiple questions here. Um, I, you know, when, when, you're, when you pair Riley with Shen and you mapped it out, Riley gets more power play time. But they're really controlling the minutes of both of them, aren't they? And they have to, right? I, I don't yeah. know how much you trust uh, Luke Shen you know, to, to spend a lot of time in the offensive zone. And if you're playing Morgan Riley, you're hoping that, you know, with his puck rushing ability, with his puck moving ability, you're spending more time than not in the offensive zone. Um, you know, I, I, I guess from kind of a tactical perspective, you like the idea of having one defenseman who's, a, you know, because Morgan Riley, we know when he's at his best, he's taking chances, he's taking risks. Um, and so to have a more stable presence kind of hanging a little back further down the ice, um, and Luke Shen, that probably helps, but I don't know. I mean, I think we all kind of looked at, right. We all, I mean, you know, most people in the media looked at the acquisition of Luke Shen and said, this is a, a seven guy, a depth guy that maybe you bring in if you feel the game is going to get nasty in Tampa, but he's become so much more than that. Um, but it's it's starting to look that way, um, that that's the way it's going to go. That the the, the McCabe Brody pairing he used again, Sheldon Keefe used again last night against Florida. I I I like it. I like it because in the big you know in the beginning of TJ or sorry Jake McCabe's tenure here in Toronto, he looked shaky. He didn't look comfortable. Um, he's a this is a big ticket acquisition. How do you get a player more comfortable? You play him with TJ Brody, right? And so that. Yeah. That's why that one makes a lot of sense to me, and I could see that one sticking. Yeah, I, I just I go back to Riley Shen because I think when most people look at that pairing, um, they, they sort of zero in on Shen uh, and and the minutes. Last night, I think he played eight minutes, but there were scenes where, where you know, especially with Gudis on the ice, he would just go over and they would just look at each other and nothing would happen. I mean, he is, you know, that's the Jake Muzzin effect, right? You're, you're not going to mess with this guy. But, but I think the hidden story is here is they're actually controlling – uh, Morgan Riley's minutes too. I again, like Morgan Riley hasn't had his best season, and it, it you know the Leafs are going to need him to be you know as 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 good as he has been um, in the past in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, they're, they're controlling his minutes. His minutes kind of seem to go up and down. Um, I again, I I think, and I keep coming back to it. I think the reason I like 
the McCabe Brody pairing is because you can trust those guys to play yeah. upwards of what 25 minutes a night, like yeah. it, theoretically. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's good. I, when it comes to Riley, the thing that you want or that you really need to see for Morgan Riley, and it's not just him, but you go back to that series last year against Tampa, how much of a difference would two power play goals from a, honestly, a, a Leafs power play unit, a top unit that really faltered against Tampa and, and the Leafs top power play unit has not consistently shown up in the playoffs. If they get two more goals from that power play, we're, we might be having a completely different conversation. So if you can make sure that Morgan Riley, I don't want to say is rested for the power play, but if you can make sure he's humming there, maybe that means limiting his five on five minutes a little bit so he doesn't get burnt out. Perhaps that's part of the equation, right? Well, yeah, but the way you described that, uh, so you've got McCabe and Brody who are clearly a number one pairing, but w- based on that description, Riley Shen and Geo Hall are, are both uh, third pairings. It's kind of like a two, two, two A, two B, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, right? it is. Now, I, I, I think, I, I think Giordano Hall becomes your your kind of typical third pair because you know Mark Giordano is is thirty nine years old, and and there there comes a point in the season, or there comes a point in, I, I say this being thirty nine years old myself, there just comes a point where you're getting tired, um, so you're not going to be rolling him out you know, as much as you would have had to earlier in the season. Um, I, I, and I think if, if the, the consternation from the Leafs fan base will say, well, why is Morgan Riley being paid like a top pair defenseman and only playing, you know, second pair minutes. But it's again, if you're getting the most out of him on the power play, it kind of doesn't, it, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, but we'll right. see. I think it reflects on the season he's had, and he's played through injury and been yeah. off yeah. with injury. And and I would give credit to the front office and the coaching staff for realizing that and going out and getting McCabe. And McCabe has really, you know, settled down, right? You and I did a broadcast very early on um, after he was acquired, and I think the word we used a few times was was jittery, right? He just yeah. does. He didn't look really, you know, safe with the puck. Um, and it, look, it's. It, I, I think context here is important. The player was acquired. The player spent, I believe, about a week, you know, just on the road with the team, living out of a suitcase, wasn't yeah. able to go back to Chicago. He didn't have his family here for most of his time. I believe his family, you know, his wife and his young children have only just arrived in Toronto and what a weight off his shoulders now. Um, so the point is, is now that, that, that he has a little bit more comfort in and around Toronto, you can probably expect better performances out of them as we've seen over these last few games. Well, and you mapped out an interesting scenario. So there's McCabe's arrival. Luke Shen, um, you know, had, had a child and, and, uh, and then moved into a, a place that was right beside Thomas Caberley. So, so that's, that, that's his story for Ryan O'Reilly. He's, he's battling injury for Achari. He's battling injury and, you know, and for, uh, uh, Samson off the, uh, the goaltender, he had a child too. So there's a lot of stuff going on here, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, life, you know, life doesn't wait, I guess, for the playoffs is the, um, is the lesson here. Um, but I, I, I think that none of those situations you've described are super, super concerning heading into the playoffs. Right. We know yeah. we've had a few conversations with, with Ilya Samsonov after the birth of his son, you know, his son is, 
is healthy. His wife is healthy. So that's a load off his mind. We don't know who's going to be their goaltender, um, but it looks like Ilya Samsonov is in a really good, you know, frame of mind. Noel Achari is day to day. I don't think that one's too serious. Ryan O'Reilly, like I said, should be back, you know, next week at the latest, even possibly this weekend. Um, These are things that happen, but I think if you're the Leafs, you feel good that, and again, knock on wood, if, if you're Kyle Dubas, that nothing is is too, too concerning. You look around the league, um, you look at what happened in New Jersey, they, they're losing top players. If you're the Leafs, you feel okay about where you're at because none of these situations are, are super long-term. Yeah, I agree with that. And you just start, sort of wrap up the conversation. I think that, you know, that, that I call it the, the you know, the, the turning point game where everything works out and you go, well, that's what's going to happen in the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to, you know, it's going to unfold in the first round of the playoffs. There's going to be stumbles, but they're going to find their way through it. And that's totally what I believe. Do you think they are better suited now than they were last year against t- Tampa to get through Tampa? Absolutely. There's, there's just more options here. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the starting cast was fine last year, but there was no real second wave. Uh, you know, we don't know what the forward unit's going to look like, but we do know all the possibilities. And last year, how many possibilities were there? There weren't very many. And on the blue line, there's just a depth there that they didn't have before. You've got nine defensemen there. We didn't talk about Connor Timmons, who likely won't play, but, but there's depth there. If something doesn't work, if you lose game one, You've got a different lineup in game two. You would never have said that before. No, but even still, like the, I, I think the thing that's going to separate this Leafs team from last year, um, and this isn't to say that some of these players had poor series, but it's on the shoulders of the team's top players. Yes. We're talking about the big boys in a way that it never has been before. Because I think, you know, I, I not even the core four. Like, I'm including Morgan Riley in this conversation, too. You can add as much depth as you want, but Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, um, William Nylander, John Tavares, these players know that I think that their, their, their long-term reputations are still on the line. If they have high-end series, if they produce the way that at their best they can produce – I think that's going to be the ultimate difference maker. I totally agree with that. They've done everything possible to support the what I call the Fab Four up front. So they have to deliver. And if they don't deliver, there's going to be repercussions, I would think. And that's why, and I might be in the minority, that's why to get the most out of those guys, I would have Ryan O'Reilly on the second line. I think back to that game, and, and Buffalo is Buffalo. right? They're not going to be a playoff team. But I think back to that game in Buffalo where you had Tavares on the wing, Ryan O'Reilly, William Nylander. Like, to me, then you are able to, if you put Ryan O'Reilly in the second line, you are then able to have conceivably two number one lines. So that every time Victor Hedman is not on the ice, you can have one of those lines out there. Now, the argument against that is you put Ryan O'Reilly in the third pair and that, that, or the third line, and then, you know, 95% of the time you have one of Tavares, O'Reilly, and Austin Matthews on the ice. You have to like that too. For me, I just think when you acquire a player, when you go all in and you spend as much as they did to get Ryan O'Reilly, you want to get the most out of him and surround him with with the best players possible. So that's that's where I see him fitting the best. We'll see if Sheldon Keefe agrees with me. He He's disagreed in the past. <laughs> repeatedly i'm told uh, yeah 
It's safe to say. Josh, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Anytime, guy. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that time warning. Time now for Lickety Split. Yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Yes, guy, no guy number one. McCabe and Brody, the top pairing on the blue line. An emphatic yes guy, all capital letters. No question about it. I like what's below it. And as I said with Josh Cloak, I like Riley Shen as a pairing. I like Geo Hall as a pairing. I like Gustafson as a seventh defenseman when needed. I see Lilligren as the eighth defenseman. And obviously, Connor Timmons is number nine. Yes guy, no guy number two. O'Reilly should be on the second line. I'm going to say no guy. Nobody should be anywhere. They should be where they perform well and help the Leafs win. I don't know if you can figure that out right now, but to say he should be on the second line, I would disagree with. That's a no guy. He's either on the second line or centering the third line or maybe a bit of both. Whatever it takes to win. Yes guy, no guy number three. It's up to the core four up front. Well, that's an emphatic yes guy. Say what you will about the nice job the Leafs have done acquiring support players. These four guys have to drive this thing through. So that is a yes guy. Thanks for downloading Leafs Guy, Episode 23, Season 3. Hope you come back next week for Episode 24.